First King chapters two, excuse me, First Kings chapter two, and we're going to be reading verse one through verse four. First Kings chapter two, verse one through verse four will be our text this morning. We could pick it up in verse one. First Kings chapter two and verse one. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. That the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I come before you and I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord. I ask that you please give me strength to speak what you have laid on my heart. I ask that you would... Keep the distractions from our minds and from our hearts that would turn them elsewhere, Lord, that you would, by your Spirit, take this truth to our heart. Help us to to see what it means to be a godly father, to see what it means to be fathered by you, Lord, and that even if one does not know you this morning, that your Spirit would draw them, show them their sin, show them Christ on the cross, the sacrifice for sin. I ask that you do the work that I cannot do, Lord, that you do that by your spirit just now. I ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Being a dad is a great job, isn't it? It's a hard job sometimes, but it's a great job. It's a great name. I like many of the names or many of the titles that I have. Husband, of course, that's a precious one to me. Pastor is a precious one to me. And right up there with him is Dad. I love being a father. The responsibility is big. There's a lot that comes with it. I'm looking after my children's lives, leading my home the best that I can in a godly way. But even though the responsibility is big, and even though there's some uh, some struggles and trouble along the way, it's totally worth it, isn't it? The troubles and the struggles and all that, it's totally worth it. But I don't know if this has ever entered your mind, and maybe... You haven't thought of this before, but now, today, in the day that we live in, in fact, for many years, in fact, all of time, but especially in the day that we live in, it's dangerous to be a dad. It's dangerous to be you. We're living in a society that is increasingly hostile toward any form of biblical standard. Day by day, you see it in media, you see it in maybe laws that are being passed and the general attitude of society, it's growing increasingly hostile to any form of biblical standard. And we know, we could see in Scripture even, that the family has long been under attack. In fact, the first murder recorded in Scripture is between two brothers. Satan has had his eye on the family from the very start. It's the very building block of society, and so Satan is doing his best to take it down. When a country fails, it usually is through and starts with a destruction of the family structure. 
when a church falls, when a marriage falls, it is because the family is under attack. His aim is on the family. Satan is aiming for us, and right at the center of those crosshairs is the father. You see, Satan wants you disabled as a father. He wants you distant. He wants you disengaged, busy with other things, concerned about other things rather than your family. And if he can be successful at that, if he can take you out of the equation, well, you know what? Quite often the rest takes care of itself. Now, we have many strong moms in society who have taken up the burden of themselves, but that's not God's plan, is it? God has a plan for us. God has a design for the family, and Satan has been aiming at it. Society is no help. Media is no help. If you just watch, if you dare, if you watch just any kind of sitcom that's been on in the last, I don't know, decade, maybe two decades, have you ever noticed the the dynamics that play out in the family? The dad is a bumbling idiot. He doesn't know anything, doesn't know how to do anything. He barely gets by. The wife is super smart. She's sharp. She takes care of everything. She's the sensible one. I think that started even maybe back with the Flintstones. (laughs) There's this been this portrayal of the opposite, not that, well, that sounds bad. I don't think moms are bumbling idiots at all, but there's been an attack against the male figure in the family for a long time from society. Lately, it's been talk about toxic masculinity. Have you seen that? Attack after attack after attack against the father. We see an increased feminization of younger males. Tighter jeans, longer hair, turning them into girls. Telling them not to act like a man. In fact, they're quick to educate. Listen, there are many people today who lack a father figure in their lives for one reason or another. And the world is quick to step in and educate them on what a man should be or what a man should not be. I recently read somewhere that 100% of unwanted pregnancies are men's fault. And I don't think they were joking. Now listen, I want to be clear. There is such a thing as biblical masculinity. The Bible tells us what what it means to be a man. And it is one that stands and leads his house in the way of God. In the face of all this, what do we do? Well, listen, now more than ever, fathers, you are needed in the home. You are needed at home. Strong, godly, biblical men are needed in their households to lead, to love, to direct towards God. Those who would stand up and take their place that God has called them to. Listen, quite often we see men that would run away from the calling that God has for them. Because it's too hard or the responsibility is too big, we need to stand up, stand in our place and live the calling that God has given us as a father. Now, David here in the text is at the end of his life, and he's giving some parting words to his son Solomon. 
Solomon's going to be the next ruler. David, the, the kingdom has grown. The kingdom has never been greater than it is under David. And Solomon's going to come along and actually take it to the next level. And here we have this heart-to-heart between a father and a son. We could have gone through a lot of father and son passages, but this one caught my attention for, for a few reasons, and I, I hope to make those clear this morning. Three important principles for us to focus on today. The first one is a father's influence. I want you to notice this morning a father's influence. You see it in verse 1 and verse 2. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son. He charged him. This is not just a talk. This is a serious heart-to-heart. He is giving him vital instruction that will guide Solomon for the rest of his life. He charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Listen, son, this is important. You need to be a man. You be strong in the things that I've taught you, and show thyself a man. I don't think this was the first time that David said this to Solomon. I don't think this was by accident, and I don't think this was empty words. I think this had been said often to his son. And it had been backed up by living. I say this because I know David. Aside from our Lord Jesus Christ, we have the most information about somebody's life in Scripture is David. From his youth to his death, everything that he does in between pretty much, it's all here. It's all recorded in Scripture for us to learn from. Isn't that what Paul says? These things were written as examples to us that we may have hope and And learn from them. And listen, the good about David is recorded, and so is the bad. Which I think that is awesome about Scripture. Sometimes we get this idea we're supposed to be perfect. No, these great men of God, they messed up. And sometimes royally, like David did. Scripture records great men's shortcomings, and David is no different. He wasn't perfect. But yet in all of it, what is he called? A God, excuse me, a man after God's own heart. Somebody who messed up as much as David is called a man after God's own heart. In fact, an everlasting covenant is made with David. And listen. Solomon saw all of it. He saw it. He watched it. Solomon witnessed his father's walk with God and it impacted his life. Are you doing that for your children? Is your walk with God making a lasting impact? impact? Is it influencing our children? In fact, this influence, this impact was made before instructions are given. He's going to give some instructions in 3 and 4, actually quite deep into the passage. But the impact was there before the instructions were given. And it had an influence on Solomon. It says in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. And a little later in the passage, Solomon says this, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth. See what Solomon says about his dad? 
He lived before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness. Solomon saw it. He was watching. Dads, they're watching. Your children are watching you. You are the example in the home. I am the example in my home. Not my wife. Not YouTube. Not Facebook or any social media or any personality or any presence, any other place, but me. The responsibility falls on me to be an example in the home. And it's a big responsibility. Listen to these statistics that I I gathered from the Washington Area Coalition of Men's Ministries, just kind of an entity that puts nationwide statistics together. When mom comes to Christ, when mom is the first one to come to Christ, the family follows about 17% of the time. When dad comes to Christ, it's 93% of the time that the rest of the family comes to Christ. However, the general membership of any given church is about 61% female and 39% male. And midweek services, their attendance usually runs 70 to 80% female. In fact, this Sunday, about 25% of married women will worship without their husbands. Two out of men who profess Christ see it's important to attend church while the rest see no need for it. Where are we? Where are we? Where are we leading our families to? The average man gives more thought to calling off sick from his job than showing up to worship his God. As many as 70% of men have actively sought out pornography this year. 93% of people incarcerated are father figures and 85% of them had no father figure. Just as many Christians will divorce non-Christians, 33% of children will go to bed without dad even being home. Fatherless children are five times as likely to live in poverty, to repeat a grade, to have emotional problems. The cycle keeps repeating. And it bears, the responsibility bears upon the father. I believe that 99% of the time when there's problems in the home, whether it's spiritual problems or emotional problems or relational problems, they most likely come from the failure of the man to be the godly husband or godly father he is called to be. This is important. Our presence is important in the home. Our influence is important in the home. Our kids and our wives need us. They need us to be there. They need us to be engaged. They need us to be involved. Leading as God has called us to. Loving as God has called us to. Step one to that, as in the very first, as in this is really easy for us to do, super simple, is love your wife. (laughs) Love your wife. That's step one. You can't be the proper dad if you don't love mom. And by the way, moms, that goes for you too. See, sometimes kids come along and maybe there was problems in the marriage before. You know how kids can be. It's stressful, especially especially during those first few months, right? The the baby's crying and everybody's tired and it's 
It can stress your marriage. Well, what can happen is the spouses can pour their energy or all of their love into their children and neglect the spouse. That doesn't work. That will lead to problems later down the road. You see, your marriage comes before your kids. You want to be the proper dad? Love your wife. You want to be the proper mom? Love your husband. That has to be there first. A healthy marriage leads to a healthy home. And your kids see it when, they, when it's off. They're smart. They know exactly what's going on. You can try to be nice in front of the kids. They see past all that. And here's what happens. They see that and they carry that with them for the rest of their lives. You know why a lot of marriages are in trouble? Because each spouse is carrying with them and acting out what they saw in their home. What they know of being a wife, they saw from mom. What they know of being a dad, they saw from dad. And so when you carry these wrong things into a marriage, it could repeat the cycle. At some point, the cycle has got to stop. Let it stop with you. Love your spouse. You want to be a good parent? Love your spouse first. There's a couple ways that we can influence our children. I want to have a godly influence on my children. I want to have a good influence on my children. I think we all do as fathers, right? Let me start with the practical one. Just be there. Just be there. Get involved with your kids. Get involved in their little lives or their big lives if they're older. But just be there for them. I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades, I guess you could say. I know a little little bit about a lot of things. Probably enough to get me in trouble, but I know how to do a little bit of everything. And I know exactly where I picked that up. I got it from my dad. You see, we don't pay people to do anything. It's not a matter of pride. It's just we never had the money. So if the house AC is broke, go fix it. If the plumbing's busted, get to digging. If the house needs a roof, well... Get some ropes, tie yourself to the roof, and get shingling. That was my childhood. I used to know by heart the the spacing for shingles and all that. I don't know. I I said I know where I got it from. I got that from my dad. These things that are just in me, these things I know how to do, I got it from dad. And there better not ever anyone else ever touch one of your cars. I, I know better than that. I don't pay anybody to work on my cars. Dad never taught me like that, but he would say it something like, well, I think we can fix it. Just about like that. I learned all that from him, not YouTube. You want your kids to learn something? Teach them. Don't let them run to someplace else to learn it. If you don't know it, maybe you watch YouTube and then you go teach them, but let it come from you. That's going to speak into their lives more than you can ever know. Teach them those things. Teach them what you know. You know, spiritual is a big part, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but you're also teaching them practical things for life. How to iron a shirt. How to tie a tie. I don't know how to do makeup, but I guess I could teach my daughter a little bit. (laughs) I'll try. Teach them what you know. Love them. Be there with them. Make memories with them in the everyday. 445. 445, like clockwork. Every day, my dad would walk through the front door. 
And then he was with us for the rest of the night. Sometimes he had to work side jobs to keep the money coming. That's just what you do as a dad sometimes. You do your best to provide for the family. But he was there. And when he'd come home, well, maybe it was time for yard work. Or maybe it was time for working around the house. Or maybe it was time for goofing around and just wrestling and playing with him. I have memories like that. My dad being there. I remember him driving me to school in his old blue dooley, which is probably why I owned one exactly like it. Cup of, co- cup of coffee in one hand, chips ahoy in the other. That's the breakfast of champions, by the way, and I think he still eats that every day for as long as I can ever remember. Shifting uh, with the cookie hand and singing along to Aerosmith on the radio. It's just <laughs> memories that I have. That means more to me than anything he ever bought me. You understand? Those things mean more to me than anything else. They want you, Dad. They don't want stuff. They want you. Your presence is worth far more than any present you could ever buy them. So will you give them you? And any tantrums that might be thrown, listen, you know what that is? They're saying in their own way, love me. Spend time with them. Talk with them. Help them. Get involved in homework or schoolwork or whatever it is. Just be there. There's little ways each and every day that we can be the dad that we need to be. Of course, those are practical things, but there's the spiritual side too, right? Part of being ahead of the home is a spiritual thing. You see, Dad, your personal relationship with God is so very vital. It's not only vital just for you, but it's vital for the rest of your family. Do they see you sitting at a table in the Scriptures, in the book? Do they see that you love this and you read it and you try your best to to know it and to apply it? Do they hear you talk about the Bible when a problem comes up? Dad, I'm having a problem at school or I'm having a problem here. It doesn't matter what age, whether it's young kids or teenage or middle age, whatever it is. Do do they hear from you when you respond to try to help? Do they hear the Word of God come out? Are you leading them towards Him? Do you conform your life to Him? Do they see that He is first over all? Do they see Jesus in you, Dad, and you in Him? That's what we want for our families, right? Are we having Bible studies in the home? Are we having prayer? Are we faithful to worship in His house? All of these things are important. They are watching. They are learning. And listen, they will imitate what they see. You cannot expect your children to be faithful if you never show them what it means to be faithful. So let's show him, Dad. Look in verse 4. He says that the Lord may continue His word. This is David speaking to Solomon. That the Lord may continue His word which He spake concerning me. The Lord may continue working in your life as He has worked in my life. Listen, Dad. God has done some great things in your life, hasn't He? 
that God has done some great things for you over the years in your own life and your own struggles. God has brought you through much. Is that passed on to your children? Is it related to them? Do you tell them? This is what God did for me. I messed up or I got into this or this happened, whatever it may be, but God brought me through and the Lord will continue to work with you as He has worked with me. I am here because my dad influenced me as his dad influenced him. And I am doing my best to influence my son and daughter. Will the faith continue because of your faithfulness as a father? That's my greatest prayer for my children. Is that they continue to walk with the Lord. That's the kind of influence I want to have on my children. I want it to be said at the end of my life, you know, Dad really loved, well, they're going to say something, right? There's going to be a blank there. How will that blank be filled? Dad really loved the office. Dad really loved possessions. Or Dad really loved God. That's what I want. Dad really loved God. We need to influence our children in the right way. And the influence needs to be there because it's going to give strength to the instructions that we might give. Solomon could show himself a man because he was shown how to be a man. Second thing I'd like you to notice is a father's instruction. We've looked at a father's influence. What about a father's instruction? Verse 3. This is what David is telling Solomon. You keep the charge of the Lord thy God. To walk in his ways. By the way, hold there. David charged Solomon, his son, verse 1, to keep the charge of the Lord, verse 3. You see that? Keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest. And whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. He is telling his son to keep the charge given. Notice some of the descriptors in there. To continue in his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies, the law That the Lord may continue His what? His Word. He's pointing Solomon to the Bible. You listen to the Bible. You follow the Bible. It's no coincidence in Psalm 19, we won't go there for time, but he uses the same descriptions. The testimonies of the 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 Lord are pure and so on and so forth. The Word of God must be central in our home. We point our kids to it. We point our wives to it. We walk in it. We follow what the Lord has given to us. We are instructed in His Word to teach our children about God. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are to bring them up, caring for them, instructing for them in the Lord. Well, we see God and we learn of God and we know God through His Word. 
Train up a child in the way he should go, Proverbs says, and when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Proverbs 1, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Are we giving them the word? Now listen, we come to the church house to learn and to worship and to exalt God and His Word, but that is not the only house that that should take place in. Fathers, let it be so in our house too. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you made that choice as a father this morning? Tell your children about God. Tell them who He is. Tell them why we worship Tell them how much God loves them and wants to save them from their sin. Tell them why we serve Him and why we worship Him and why church is central and why outreach is central. Tell them. Instruct them in that. There's going to be days they don't want to go, right? Dad, I don't want to go to church. Anybody ever heard that in the morning? I heard it a couple times and then we took care of that problem. They may not want to, they just don't say it out loud anymore. I remember that in the mornings, getting up when I was just a young kid. Oh, man, I don't want to go. But I was taught why it was important. Why it is so precious that we come and we sing praises. And I learned that from my father. Will they learn that from you? Here's what Deuteronomy 6 says. Listen to this. And these words which I shall command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And when thy son asketh thee in the time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord God hath commanded us? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as He hath commanded us. You see that? It's something that is within our hearts as fathers, and we talk about it in the house, we talk about it when we're just living life, when we get up, when we go to bed. It's always something we talk about, and they're going to ask, What does all this mean? You notice what he points back to? We were brought out of Egypt by a, with a mighty hand by the Lord our God. You can point back, listen, the Lord saved me from some things. I was dead in sin. I was hellbound and guilty for my own sin. But God saved me by His grace. That should be the first thing your kids learn from you. God saved me from hell and He wants to save you too. And someday the Lord might come calling on your heart. I remember those words being said to me. And I remember saying the same to my children. You know what? There came a day when that happened. And I watched them struggle with their own conviction. And I was there when they prayed and asked the Lord to to save them. And all I can hope is that I made it a little bit easier when that time came. Fathers, we are building into our children important things. Are we instructing them in the right way? David did with Solomon. Here's how I know. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4 if you would. Proverbs chapter 4. I want you to notice something that Solomon writes as he writes the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. Turn your attention to verse 1. 
Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. This is Solomon speaking. He says, I'm giving you good things. Forsake not my law. Well, where did he get it from? Verse 3. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also. David taught Solomon, and here Solomon is saying so. He taught me also, and said unto me, let thine thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. This is not from the text that we just read in 1 Kings. This is when he was a little boy. It started when he was small, and it continued on through the rest of his life. Verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. Look in verse 11, if you would. Verse 11, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right paths. I hope that I can say that as a father. I've shown you the right way. Verse 20, My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear to my sayings, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It goes on and on, we don't have time to read the rest, but do you see the instruction that is coming from David to his son? Are we instructing our children, fathers, in the same way? We need to lead them in the Word of God. We need to lead them in the instructions of the Lord. Not what somebody else says, not what the world says. What does God say? There is a saying my grandpa has that has worked its way down to me, and hopefully I pass it on. Grandpa repeats over and over and over, Thus saith the Lord. We want to know what thus saith the Lord. (laughs) What does God say? That's what I want to pass on to my kids. What does the Lord say? Listen closely. We can do that. You need to do that. We, we all want to, right? Listen. Even if we have failed. Even if we've royally messed up. Everybody knows who Solomon's mom is, right? It's Bathsheba. Hello. There's a big mistake in Scripture, isn't it? And I have no doubt Solomon knows exactly what the story is. The adultery, the cover-up, the murder, the death of the firstborn. I think he knows all of that. I think he knows his father is not a perfect man, to say the least. But I think he also knows Psalm 51. The repentant heart of his father. See, David messed up, but David has a repentant heart. David is quick to confess. David is quick to follow God and do what is right even when he does fall into wrong. And again, Solomon saw all of that. Listen, how we handle our failures means a lot too. We try not to in the first place, right? I don't want to mess up and have my children see that. But when I do, I hope that they see me handle it correctly. And in Solomon's mind, this failure of David's past and the way that David handled it doesn't negate his words. When he tells him in 1 Kings, listen, you do this and and you show yourself a man and you follow God, Solomon doesn't say, yeah, that's a 
follow what I say and not, and not what I've done thing. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to you. No. In fact, David's correct heart with God helps to strengthen the instruction that he gives his son. Because Solomon sees that his father knows who God is and has taken steps in his life to follow him even when he has failed. When we slip up and we're going to, will our family and our children see us repent, confess, and run quickly back to God? Now, that's not a license to sin, not by any means. But it is a chance to show them the reality of God to us in our own hearts. Perfection is not the goal. God is the goal. You understand? As a father, perfection is not the goal. Stop trying. You're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. God is the goal. Do I point my family? Do I point my children to God? So yes, fathers, our families need us. They need us to lead and live and love in a way that influences them for the right things. They need us to instruct and to admonish them in the Word. They need us to be there, engaged in the calling that God has given us. Children are a blessing from the Lord, the Bible says. And this is a calling upon my life to steward their little lives as I lead them back to Him. You know what I see my job as? Hannah, Samuel's mom. You have blessed me with this child. I'll raise him and I'll give him right back to you. Yes, even as a dad, that is what I see my job as. I'm going to do my best with them, and I'm going to give them right back to you because that's the most important thing that I can give them in this life. And perhaps now's the time for you to start. We get distracted. A lot of things come in the way, and sometimes we can fall. Maybe we need to get back to that. It doesn't matter if you have kids that are a young age or teenage, or middle age. Our kids need us. They need us to be the dad God has called us to be. So maybe it's time for us to step up. Maybe it's time for us to show ourselves a man so they know how to follow God the way that they should. Maybe it's time for us to be the father that they so desperately need. Would you do that today? Make that commitment in your own heart? I want to finish with one last thought. If you notice, we don't have to turn back to the text, but if you notice in the text, David is always pointing him to God. Keep the charge that the Lord has given you. Follow Him and His commandments, right? That's our job to point them towards God. There's a small chance that they might play professional sports Have that as a career. There's a small chance they might be a millionaire or a billionaire. But there is a 100% chance that they will stand before God. What am I pointing them towards? It's not bad to teach them a trade. I was taught to be a mechanic by my dad in the old rough asphalt driveway of 5070 Hedrick Street. (laughs) Laying on my back as a little kid and getting rocks up in my back. But I learned how to turn wrenches and that has got me through life. Praise God for that. But above and beyond that, my parents pointed me towards God because they knew the importance of that. Are we doing that as fathers? Build that foundation in them. One last thought I want to finish with. We've seen how important a father's influence is. We've seen the importance of a father's instruction. But Can I remind you this morning that you have a father in heaven?
We have a Father in heaven. Maybe you grew up or are growing up in a home with parents who were married. Everything was solid. Everything was God-centered. Praise God for that. Amen. That's a good thing. But maybe it's not that way. Maybe home is broken. And maybe it hurts. I know how that feels to come from a broken home. My parents divorced after 28 years of marriage. Right as I was entering into my senior year in high school. You live so long with what you think is a perfect world and what you think is a perfect home and that all comes crashing down at a pretty crucial time in life. It can rock your world. A lot of things could have went sideways for me in that time. There's many things that got me through it. My wife. She wasn't my wife yet. I think we might have been engaged, which you don't do. Don't ever get engaged in high school. That's only for me, nobody else ever, especially not my kids. But there was things that got me through that. The grace of God, certainly. But listen, one of those things that guided me through was my father's faithfulness. You see, through it all, he never wavered with God. And I'm still here because of it. But I still know the pain of divorce. It stinks. Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't have a father figure in your life. Maybe you weren't taught some of these things by a godly, faithful man. Maybe your thoughts of a father, well, they're just not good at all. But may I say to you that you have a perfect, loving, wonderful Father in heaven. God Himself. Scripture uses many terms to describe God. They call Him holy, calls Him almighty, creator, king of kings. But the most special term that is used for God is Father. We are taught to pray, our Father who art in heaven. You see, God is the Father above all. Earthly fathers mess up. Earthly fathers make mistakes. Earthly fathers leave. But not God. Psalm 68 tells us that God is a father to the fatherless. God Himself says, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is the Father who is always there and always loves us. And do you have that relationship with God this morning? Is He your Father? If you would, turn one last passage this morning to Galatians chapter 3. Is God your Father? Can you call Him that? Do you have that relationship with Him? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, if you would, says this, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as, as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and there is neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Jesus Christ. You are children of God, but there is a key there, there is a condition there. It's by faith in Christ. See, faith in 
Christ is the key. We are separated from God by sin. Born into this world with a sinful nature, we lie, we cheat, we blaspheme, we do all of the things that the law tells us not to by our own sinful nature within us. And there is a penalty for that. The wages of sin is death. We stand accountable to God for our sin and we face eternal hell because of it. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a scare tactic. It's what the Bible says. If we pass from this life without being forgiven of our sins, without being cleansed from our sins, we enter into eternity forever and ever and ever and ever in a place of torment and pain called hell. But listen, God loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. Isn't that what John 3 and 16 tells us? He sent His Son to die for us so we wouldn't perish, but that we would have everlasting life if we would believe on Him. God loves you so much He sent His Son. He sent His Son to die for you. I cannot imagine that as a father. You see, I have an only begotten Son. Just one. And I cannot imagine giving him up for a vile, filthy criminal. Whether it be a habitual liar, whether it be a child molester, or whether it be a murderer, it doesn't matter. See, God gave his son to die for us so that we might live forever with him. God sent his son to die for you so you might become his child. He died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross, shed His precious blood to wash away all of your sin. Because Jesus gave His life, you can be forgiven of your sin. You can be washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus rose from the dead to prove that He has the power to reconcile us back to God. That sin, that separation can be removed and we become now His child by faith in Jesus Christ. But you have to place your faith in Him first. That's where it starts. That's where our new life with God starts if we would believe that Jesus died for our sins. Now, after that, there's going to be instruction like any good father would do, right? See, God's going to influence us. God's going to instruct us for our good. That's why baptism and church are important. Listen, this isn't some old school, out of date, old tradition that we follow. It's what the Bible says. It's our Father drawing us closer to Himself. It's our Father making us more like our perfect older brother, Christ. But all of it starts with faith. That's the question this morning. Have you placed your faith in Christ? Can you look back to a moment where you bowed on your knees? Maybe it was at a pew. Maybe it was at your home. It doesn't matter where, but there was a time that you bowed your heart, you confessed your sins, and you said, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. For me, it was when I was eight years old after a church service on Sunday at the foot of my parents' bed. It was a simple prayer. Lord, save me. I believed in my heart. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I was facing hell, but I believed that Jesus would save me. I asked Him to in faith, and He did. 
And there can be a lot of different prayers that you might hear that people would say that they prayed or maybe some different circumstances, but at the core, it's all the same. We knew we were a sinner and we cried out to Jesus to save us. Have you done that? Look in verse 4, excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Who's under the law? Every mouth may be stopped and the whole world become guilty before God. We're under the curse of sin. The law points that out. And Christ has been sent to redeem us from that. See, He paid the price for our redemption and He has paid the price for our adoption. Verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth His Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ. This adoption, when it talks about it, is exactly what it means. A whole new family, a whole new identity. Listen, the price has been paid for your adoption. The price has been paid for your redemption. Christ paid it on the cross with His blood. And God Himself wants to adopt you as His own. But you must believe. When you do, there is an awesome change, a new life, a heavenly home, a relationship where God goes from being God the Father. You see what it said in verse 6? Abba, Father. That's, that's an, Aramaic, an Aramaic word. The closest thing we have in English is Daddy. Daddy. That's one of the sweetest words that I can hear. It hit me just the other night. I was tucking Caitlin in, getting ready to shut the door. Good night, Daddy. I love that. Love that. Love to hear that. I hear that and I listen. Maybe it's said in fear. Daddy, like a spider or something. I'm jumping up. What, what, what do we need to do? I hear it. Or maybe it's in joy when I come home and they run up and give me a hug. I hear that word and I am listening right away. My kids have my ear. Verse 6, because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba. Father, you see, you have gods. My kids need something, I'm there. You cry to the Lord God, your Father, oh, He's listening. Just the same way that you listen to yours. You can have that this morning. God wants that for you. But you have to come to Him. You have to place your faith in Him. Admit that you are a sinner. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you come to Him in faith, He is waiting to save you. Give you a new wonderful family with a perfect loving Father. 1 Timothy 4.10 says this, We trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, 
specially of those that believe. doesn't mean that every man is saved. It means that God has brought you through some things. God has given you some grace in your life. Even if you don't know Him as Savior, even if you are not His child, He has brought you through some things to right here, right now, to hear the Gospel. To respond to the Gospel. So will you. Father, I come before you. I thank you for the example that you have given us. I thank you for the way that you love me, the way that you guide me, the way that you've saved me. Help me to be the father that I need to be for my children. To stand up and take my rightful place in the home that I might lead them to you. And everything that I say and everything that I do, you might be seen. Help all of us as fathers now to, to do just that. Lord, you know the struggles each one of us has in our own hearts and the world is competing for our attention. Lord, give us strength. Fill us with your spirit as fathers that we might guide our families in the way that you would have us to. I know I mess up and I struggle, Lord. Forgive me for that. Take away my shortcomings and Pick me back up, put me back on the right path that I might guide my family on the right path. I pray strength upon each father here. I pray your spirit's leading, guiding hand on each family and each father here, Lord. Help us, even as we come to a time of invitation, Lord, if there's things in our life that are standing in the way that we need to remove and we need to repent or confess, Lord, that you would give us the strength to do that. I pray for those here that do not know you as Father, that are still separated in their own sins, facing eternal condemnation, Lord. I pray you would, by your Spirit, open their eyes to their sin, open their eyes to your Son who you sent to be the propitiation for sin, that we might be forgiven, we might be cleansed, we might be redeemed. Draw them just now, Lord, I pray that They would be saved even before it's eternally too late. Thank you for all that you've done. I ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.